Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Seth Yolorda, and I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this week's message. Our prayer is that it will leave you inspired, encouraged, and challenged as you grow higher in Christ. And I also just want to ask that if this message is a blessing to you, that you would take the time to share it, to send it to a friend, send it to a family member so that they too can be blessed. Again, we thank you for taking the time to listen, and we pray that you are blessed. Our God, that you yourself are just encouraged, that you engage, that you lean in, and that you experience all that God has in store for you. I want to pray for you right now, and I'm not sure what's going on in your world, where you are, or what's happening, but my prayer right now is that the God of all peace would step in and that you would know in this moment that he is with you. So Spirit of the living God, I just pray right now for every man and woman, every boy and girl who's watching this, who's listening to this, wherever you are and whatever you are doing, wherever you might be, God, that you would just step into their space right now. That you would encourage them and, and, and remind them that you love them, that you are with them, that you are a God who has come to set us free and that we are free indeed. God, in this moment, as we open your word, in this moment, as we declare your truth, may your name be lifted up. May your, your character be exalted, the God of all grace and the God of all love. May we know who you truly are and may we experience you in this moment right now. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Remind us of your everlasting love and we will give you the glory in Jesus' name. Oh, just say amen with me all over this place. Amen and amen. Listen, I am so grateful uh, that you have decided to worship with us today. I'm so grateful that you decided just to tune in. And what's interesting is that this last month of February, we spent the entire month talking about life goals and life hacks and how we can really just get control of our money and our finances and our marriage and our parenting. And I pray that you are blessed. I pray that you were inspired. I pray that you were encouraged, that you gained some value. I know I did as I was just sitting on my couch like you all and just receiving all of the words that the, that the preachers and the presenters were delivering to us. And the reason why we did this is because we really want to create opportunities for you to grow in these various domains of your life. We recognize that, I mean, we can come up here and we can pray and pray and pray and preach and preach and preach, but there are some strongholds in your life. Some of you all that when it comes to your marriage, you need some counsel, you need some therapy. When it comes to your parenting skills, you need some tips how you can set family values. Some of you all, when it comes to your many, not some, most of us, when it comes to our finances, we need to figure out a way that we can actually manage our money better and how we should manage this whole dating, single relationship space better. And so we did this so that we can just try to add as much value to you as possible and we pray that you are blessed. But I'm super excited because during the month of March, we're transitioning and we're launching into a new sermon series. And during this sermon series, I really just want to focus on something that the Lord has put in my heart recently. Actually, it was pretty much for this 2021. The Lord has just really been impressing upon me on how important it is 
for us to have a proper mindset, how we have to really take control of our thoughts, how we have to take control of the things that we allow our mind to dwell upon. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to be dealing with mindset, how you and I can experience the victory in our life by controlling and bringing captive our thoughts. Because this is the reality that I've experienced. As I was sitting there and I was listening to the various presenters, and we had some dynamic presenters last month, Pastor John April and and Damien and uh, and Tansy Chandler and all of them who came all month month long, I began to realize that, you know what? I can hear this, this, this good word and this counsel, but if my thoughts aren't fixed, and if my thoughts aren't right, then really no matter what this person is saying to me, like my behavior is not gonna change. And so I really wanted to feel like, you know what, yes, we, we gave you this rich content, but I want to even just take it a step back a little bit and just really try to dive into addressing the core issue that so many of us wrestle with. And when I say so many of us, listen, I am including myself in that number that, that I am someone also who also wrestles with thoughts, sometimes self-defeating thoughts, Feeling as though we're not good enough. Feeling as though you haven't accomplished enough. Feeling as though that you don't possess enough. That you're not smart enough or good looking enough or can't sing well enough or you can't, you can't act better enough. Like, like, like we all deal with these self-defeating thoughts. And the reality is, is that in your thoughts and in your life process, your thoughts are really a result of a belief system. And so your beliefs lead to a certain type of thinking and your thinking then leads to some emotions that you experience and those emotions then lead to behaviors that you manifest and those behaviors impact and shape your relationships. Your behaviors shape your relationship with your money, your behaviors shape your relationship with your spouse, your behaviors shape your relationship with your children, your behaviors shape your relationship with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, uh, your behaviors shape every relationship that you find yourself in. And the behaviors are a function of how you feel and how you feel is a function of how you think. And so today and all month long, I want to begin to just pull back the, 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 the wool. I want to begin just to pull back the curtain. And I want us to better understand how we can actually gain victory in our mind. If you're with me in here, let's put amen in the chat. And you can even say amen out loud right now. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be dealing with it. And as we turn to the word of God, you know, I was thinking this last week as I was just preparing this message and I thought to myself, you know what? I mean, how many of you all uh, are, are one of those people who take a lot of time and spend it in the mirror? Do I got anybody in the house who, like, you are a mirror dweller? Anybody in the house? Just, just a little bit, like, like, in the morning, you like to get up and you like to spend some time looking at yourself. I'm just curious. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? When you look in the mirror, like, like, what do you see? Like, like when I look in the mirror, and I'm not like someone who spends a lot of time in the mirror, specifically or especially, you know, compared to my wife. Like, no shade, but I don't spend a lot of time in the mirror. Like, I get in there, George, and I just do what I have to do. Like, I will, you know, brush my hair, you know, brush my teeth, make sure I don't got any stuff in my eyes, and then I'm like on to the next one. Like, I don't spend a whole lot of time in the mirror. And, and um, but the interesting thing is, when you look in the mirror, like, what do you see? 
Do you see the color of your skin? Do you see the style of your hair? Do you see how, the length of your hair? Do you see, you know, uh, any blemishes on your face? Like, I think the average person, when you look in the mirror, you, we look at it through the mirror just to see, to make sure that we are physically present and that we are physically presentable to the world. And that's really the purpose of the mirror. But what I want to ask you is when you look in the mirror, I'm not so much concerned about what you see. What I want to know is when you look in the mirror, what do you think? Like, like when you look in the mirror, what, what do you think? What are the thoughts that come to your mind? Or do you even take enough time to think while you're looking in the mirror? Like not to think about your day and not to think about your, the, the responsibilities and the obligations that you have. No, but when you look in the mirror, do you even take the time to think about who you are? I would wager that many of us, most of us, that we don't spend a lot of time thinking in the mirror because for a lot of people, we don't like what we think about when we look at ourselves. Because when you think, you think about the issues that you have. You think about the insecurities that you have. You think about what's not going right and how you maybe wish you were further along. You think about how, you know, you maybe got dealt a raw hand, how you have been given the short end of the stick. And if you spend too much time looking in the mirror, thinking about your life, the highs and the lows, for many of us, we won't like that conversation that goes on in our mind. And so many people, we don't spend a lot of time thinking about ourselves. But the reality is, is that the mirror is really a reflection of what you look like, but your life is a reflection of your thoughts. Like, like, when you, when you think about your life and what you have accomplished and who you've married and the job that you're working and the things that you're doing and, and the money that you have in the bank and the car that you're driving and, and the relationships that you have and the relationships with your parents, like your, your, your life, the, the sum total of your life is truly a reflection of your thoughts. The wisest man who ever lived said it like this in Proverbs 23. He says, he says, he says for, for as a man thinketh, so is he. So as you think in your mind and as you think in your heart that your thoughts are truly a reflection of who you are and who you have become. And so my word, George, for the year that I have chosen as I think about what God wanted to do with me all year long, the word that God has really placed upon my heart as like my word for the year is mindset. Because I'm just learning now more than ever how important it is to have a right mindset. That literally, and we've heard this quote before, that if you think you can or if you think you can't, that you're right. I mean, have you heard that? We've all heard that quote before. If you think you can or if you think you can't, you're right. That your mindset has so much to do with the trajectory of your life. Your mindset has so much to do with what you experience in life. Your mindset has so much to do with whether you live victoriously or whether you, you live um, someone who is constantly struggling. Your mindset has everything to do with what you actually experience 
in this life. And so I cannot stress how important it is for you and for me in this day, a day when we are constantly bombarded with social media and other people's lives and other people's success and other people's triumphs and other people's promotions, a day where we are constantly feel as though we have to be compared and we are comparing ourselves to other people. I cannot stress how important it is for you to have a healthy victorious, resilient mindset. It's everything. Literally, it is everything. You're, the war that we're fighting in this life is not a war going on in Iraq or Afghanistan. It's not a war going on in, 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 the, in the capital. It's not a war that's going on in, in, in political corners. No, the war that we rage is a war of the mind. And that war is not won by how you live your life. That war is won by how you think. You see, what's interesting is like, I can look at myself and like, I'm, I say this all, all like humility. Like I can look at my life and I can say, you know what, Seth? From the surface, it appears as though you don't sin on the surface. Like you don't, you don't lie, not often, right? Okay, you don't, you're not drinking and sleeping around and having sex with random people. Like you're not um, 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 disrespecting your parents, right? You're, you know, you keep the Sabbath holy. Like, like you do all of these things. And I can look at my life and I can say, you know what? On the, on the outset, it really seems that, you know what? I, I live a morally good life. But a morally good life doesn't mean that you're living a victorious life. Because when it's all said and done, it is not so much about your behavior. The war in this life, in your life, is not won based on your behavior. The battle is one based on what you believe. The battle is one based on what you think. And so you cannot do a whole lot of things. You cannot sleep around and sex around and drink and get drugs and you cannot do a whole lot. You cannot lie and, and steal and cuss. You cannot do any of those things. But if your thoughts are not right, you could still be losing the war. And it might not manifest itself in some type of deviant, immoral behavior, but it might man itself, it manifest itself in anxiety and stress, depression, feeling overwhelmed, feeling as though you're not good enough, feeling as though you don't have enough, feeling as though your life won't amount to enough, really just self-sabotaging your potential. Oh, you might never get drunk and go cuss someone out, but you might cuss yourself out in your thoughts by the way that you live. And so your mindset is so very important. I think about, you know, the struggle that I've experienced, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Have you ever walked into a room before and you felt like you didn't belong there? Has that ever happened to anyone? Like you walk into a room and you feel like, you know what, like 
I just don't belong in this space. I, I remember when I started my PhD program, there were so many times where I would be in class, I would be talking to other PhD students, and I would just feel like, you just don't belong in this space. Like, they are just smarter than you, like more intelligent than you. What are you doing here? And that is a common experience that many people wrestle with and go through. In fact, there's a, a, a clinical definition for it. It's called the imposter syndrome. And the imposter syndrome is simply defined as doubting your abilities and your feelings and feeling like a fraud. And this is real that so many people, like you step into a space and you feel like, you know what? Like, yes, my resume says I belong here and my education says I belong here, but there's something going on in my mind and there's something going on in my spirit where I feel like I just don't belong like I'm not good enough like I'm not smart enough like I can't like I can't do enough to like to be on the same level as everyone else and so that's what I really want to deal with I want to deal with our mindset and how like me many of you struggle with having a healthy positive optimistic perspective on life Romans chapter 12 Verse two, Paul really just like, I think he hits the nail on the head where he says, he says, do not be conformed to this world. In Romans 12, verse two, he says, do not be conformed to this world. But he says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So it's almost as if Paul is saying to us, Paul is saying, listen, don't be conformed. Don't be changed. Don't, don't allow your life to become like the rest of the world. But then Paul gives us like, the, like the, the secret key, the antidote. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, what's interesting is that Paul doesn't say be transformed by acting right. He doesn't say be transformed by behaving right. No, he says be transformed by how you think. Like how you think has everything to do with what you experience. And Paul says it starts and ends with your mind. Now, I was doing a little research on Romans 12 verse 2. And what I quickly realized is that Paul says that word renewal is the same word. Actually, it's only used twice in the New Testament when he says be renewed by, the, by renewing of your mind. That word renew is only used twice in the New Testament, the other time is in Titus in chapter 3, verse 5, where he says, He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. So it's almost as if Paul is saying, like, listen, you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this renewal of your mind is not something you do on your own, but it's actually the work of the Holy Spirit in your life who is renewing your mind and has given you the victory by what you think. By how you think about yourself and how you think about the world around you and, and whether or not the foundation, the soil of your life is rooted in gospel. The soil of your life is rooted in positivity. Out of that soil, Paul says, will grow up fruits of righteousness if your mind is right and how you think is right. So be transformed. I, there's so many Good, well-meaning Christians out there who think if we can just behave right, we'll be okay. But it's not about how we behave. It's about how we think. Because your thoughts 
are the things that lead to emotions, how you feel. And your emotions are what leads to behavior, what you do. And your behavior is what defines and shapes your relationship with your spouse, with your loved ones, with your money, with your children, with your God. It's not about behavior. It's not about just stop drinking, stop smoking, stop sleeping around. Now, I, don't get me wrong. Like, I think that we should eliminate those things from our life because they are just not physically healthy. And as children of God, that they are not perpetuating life. But, but eliminating those things does not mean you're any closer to God or any closer to the kingdom than someone who does them. Because it's not about behavior. It's about your mindset. And what I want to do for the next three weeks is I want to start dealing with the core issues that you and I battle in our mind. There's really only three. There are three lies. There are three emotions that the devil comes in and really tries to, 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 to get us to fall prey to. There are three chasms that he tries to push us down. There are three potholes in the road that he tries to get us to hit to derail our life, our vehicle. There are three things. There are three roadblocks, three barriers that the enemy uses. Only three. And for the next three weeks, we're going to deal with them. I'm going to give them to you right now. What those three are is shame, guilt, and fear. That is the demonic trifecta that the devil sins and attacks us with on our mind. Shame, I'm not good enough. Fear, I don't have enough. And guilt, I have to do more. And we're gonna deal with each one of those for the next three weeks, but for today, I really wanna deal with how we can how God has positioned us to be in a place of success so that when the devil comes in, we don't have to fall prey. So as I think about our mindset and what's interesting is I've said it already a couple times that our, our beliefs are like the ground that lead to our thoughts and then our thoughts lead to emotions and our emotions lead to behaviors. It's almost like an iceberg of sorts. You know, it's not what we saw on top of the water that sunk the Titanic. It's the iceberg that was under the water that sunk the Titanic. And for many of us, we try to address the things that are on top of our life, the things that we can see. We try to address the behaviors, but behaviors are only there because they are being supported by everything that's going on underneath the surface. Everything that's going on underneath the surface are our emotions, our beliefs, our thoughts, and so it's almost like, it's almost like this, like if you have a belief that men are dogs, let me just talk to you for a moment. If you have a belief that men are dogs, that all men are dogs, and that men are no good, well then that will lead you to the thoughts that men can't be trusted. If men are dogs, then men can't be trusted. And if men can't be trusted, when that brother tries to step to you and to get to know you, guess what's going to happen? right? Uh, he's going to be uh, sorely rejected, right? You will be, there will be a fear that you manifest to engage him because you don't want to be hurt. 
That, that fear is, is your, that fear that you're manifesting, that is the emotion that is based on the thought that men can't be trusted, which is based on the belief that men are dogs. And so because you have this fear that, that you don't want to be hurt, then when he comes to you and tries to get to know you and tries to form a relationship with you, you're going to give him the cold shoulder, you're going to not give him any time of day, because you fundamentally believe that men are dogs. And you have this fear, this emotion, that you don't want to be hurt. And so that will lead to then the behavior of you being in unhealthy relationships or you manifesting an unhealth. But it doesn't, not, not just there for our ladies. Like, like this thing applies across the board to all of us up in here. Like it's the same thing. Like if you believe fundamentally that life is hard, if that's your belief, well then you will think that, you know what, in order for me to succeed in life, I must grind and hustle. Because I believe life is hard, I now, my thoughts are, I must grind and hustle, right? And so you are now grinding and hustling because you have this, this, this emotion, this fear that if you don't grind and hustle, that you won't be able to have enough. And so that will lead you to then manifesting a behavior of working 40, 60, 80 hours a week, overtime upon overtime, because you are constantly trying to succeed because you have this fundamental belief that life is hard. I mean, it, it applies that on so many levels, if you just think about the way that you think, you will begin to realize that all of your behaviors and all of your relationships can be traced back to a core belief that you have and that you are holding on to. And what I want to do is I want to challenge your thoughts and that core belief. Because this is what happens. That if you think negative thoughts long enough, those negative thoughts become ingrained in your mind and the neural pathways become stronger and deeper in your brain. And the more you think negative thoughts, it's almost as if it is a spiral, a negative spiral in your mind that is growing deeper and deeper. And so the more you think negative thoughts, the easier it is to think negative thoughts. And you'll find yourself just, just sliding down this negative spiral down into a place that you do not want to be because your brain is wired to reinforce the thoughts and the behaviors that you manifest. It happens to all of us. And if you're not careful, you will be of the mind that that is the way it must be. You will think to yourself, I was born this way, my, my mom thought like this, my dad thought like this, my mom acted like this, my dad acted like this, so therefore, this is how it must be. And you will, in your own self, have this orientation to feel as though your life is fixed and that you cannot change and that it will not get better. And you might not say that, but your behaviors are reinforcing that. And it may be true for you. It may be true how you feel because you've tried to have positive mindset. You've tried to have, to be encouraged. You've tried to think that the glass is half full, but it feels like no matter what happens, you're always getting the short end of the stick. Like you're never succeeding. And so your failures in your professional life or in your relationships are only reinforcing the negative thoughts that you have about yourself to the point where you feel as though it is fixed and that you have no control 
of your life. You have no control of your thoughts. You have no control of your circumstances. But let me tell you that that is not true and that is not the gospel. You have control. You have complete control over your beliefs, over your thoughts, over your emotions, over your behaviors, and over your relationships. You are not a slave because if you think that you have no control, then what you're really saying is that you are a slave that I just have to do this, and you are then a slave to your thoughts, you're a slave to your circumstances, that you are chained or bound to, to whatever happens to you or to however you're thinking. And I wanna tell you that you are not a slave. I don't care what lies you have told yourself up until this point or what lies you are believing about yourself. I don't care how you grew up or what's happened to you. You are not a slave to your past. You are not a slave to your thoughts. You are not a slave to your circumstances. Yes, you might feel a certain way, but I just wanna come in and let you know that no matter how you feel, you are not bound and committed and controlled by those feelings. You are not a slave. And I, I really wanna illustrate this because Jesus really illustrates this point. There's a story, there's a story in the book of John, excuse me, John in chapter five. And it's a familiar story to most and many of us. And I'm not going to go into explicit detail with the story, but I'm just going to give you some high-level view of, of what's taking place in, in John in chapter John in chapter 5. There is a man who is, who is crippled and he cannot move. He is essentially paralyzed. And I want to read through this story for you quickly. The Bible says in, in, in uh, John chapter 5, after this there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind and lame and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. So here you have this man who is who cannot move. They, we, they suggest he was paralyzed of some sort, that he, that he couldn't move around on his own. For 38 years, he's laying on his mat by this pool with the belief that if somehow he can get into the water, that he will be healed. But because of his condition, he cannot get in on his own. And so the text says in verse 6, when Jesus saw him laying there, and knew that he had been there in that condition a very long time, he said to him, do you want to, made, to be made well? Now, listen to this. Jesus shows up to this man, and Jesus says, listen, I see your condition. I see what's going on. I see your experience in life. I see how your relationship to the people around you, I see that you are here laying here, that you have an infirmity, that you cannot move. I see how this has happened in your life that you've been here for 38 years, that you've been struggling in this position, you've been battling these thoughts, you've been wrestling with depression, you've been wrestling with anxiety, you've been wrestling with fear and, and shame and guilt. I, I see that you have been here in this situation for a long time and I just wanna step in and just insert you into this passage and insert myself 
into this passage that Jesus comes to us right now, today, and Jesus says, I see your thoughts. I see what's going on in your life. I see your insecurities. I see your anxieties. I see your fears. I see your doubts and your questions, how you don't know what you should do and you, you feel like you're all alone. I see how you feel like everyone's turned their back against you and that you don't have anyone that you can lean on. And I see exactly where you are. I see you, my brother. You're looking for a job and you feel like because of what's happened in your past that you won't be able to get qualified work. I see you, my sister, how you have been hurt and abused by men after, uh, after one after another and you feel like you'll never find a good man, that you'll never be loved the way that you desire to be loved when you were a little girl and you saw yourself walking down that aisle. I see you, my friend. I see your life. I see your situation. I see how your parents getting divorced ripped you apart and that you have been living from this emptiness and this brokenness ever since I see your condition. Jesus steps into our life the same way he stepped next to this man by the pool of Bethesda and Jesus says to us the same way he says to him, do you want to be made well? Do you want your relationships fixed? Do you want your, 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 your money situation rectified? Do you want your marriage to be made whole? Do you want your heart to be, to be complete? Do you want to feel like you belong and are accepted in a community that won't judge you, that won't, that won't talk about you, that won't stab you in the back? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made well? Jesus steps to us the same way he stepped to this man who was by the pool of Bethesda. And he asked us this question. I see your imposter syndrome. I see your self-defeating thoughts. I see your negative mindset and the spiral that you have been going down for so many years. Do you want me to stop the bleeding? Do you want me to bring healing to your life? That's the question that Jesus asked the man, and that's the question that Jesus asked you. And look at the man's answer. The sick man, the broken woman, the, the stressed out man, the, the person struggling with depression and anxiety, the person who is was battling all types of insecurity. The sick person answered him and said, I have no person to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus steps in and says, do you want me to heal your mind, your body, your soul? And this man's response is no different than so many of our responses. We say to Jesus the same thing he said to Jesus. My circumstances won't let me be healed. The situation that I'm living in is just too bad, Jesus. The, 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 the relationship has just crumbled to the point where there's no hope for it, Jesus. Like, my money is just so messed up, God. I got the... the bankruptcy and the IRS and I got these debtors coming for me Jesus it's just so bad I don't see how anyone can help me Jesus my health is just 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 falling out and crumbling I don't I, there's no help for me the medication the doctors are not helping me Jesus my relationship is so foregone that there's no counselor no therapist that can help me Jesus there's nothing out there that 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 my condition is what it is Jesus and I am a I am a slave to this situation in my life 
I, I see what you're offering. I see that you are the Prince of Peace. I see that you are grace and mercy. I see that you are uh, a, a bridge over troubled water and a shelter in the time of storm. I, 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 we, we, I sang the songs and I, I know all of that good stuff. But, but as for me, I don't think that what, what, what we talk about and we preach about and we sing about is really going to make a difference in my life. Because the reality is, is I feel like I am a slave to my condition. And Jesus says, you know what, my friend? I'm not even going to address the condition. I'm speaking directly to you. And he says, rise up, take up your bed, and walk. And the text says that immediately this man was made well. It says it right there in verse 9. He says, he took up his bed and walked, and, and that day was the Sabbath. That, that on that day, in that moment, that when Jesus spoke over him and spoke life into him and spoke, and spoke hope into him and spoke power into him, that in that moment he realized that something triggered, something went off. And in that moment, this man realized, hold on, something has happened that now I am able to do now what I wasn't able to do then because Jesus actually spoke a word over me. And it wasn't just the word that Jesus spoke over me, but there is a, a relationship between the word that Jesus spoke over me and my ability to believe the word that Jesus spoke over me. And in that moment, immediately, he was healed. If you keep reading the story, it goes on where there's some, some dialogue between what happens between him and the Pharisees, and they're kind of upset that Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath day. But I just want to draw your attention to verse 14. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple, and he said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, Listen, I have set you free from bondage. Don't go back into that old system again. I have forgiven you. I have healed you. Go forward in new life. At some point, we know just through reading the story of how Jesus moved throughout, throughout history and throughout when he walked on this earth, we know that there is a direct connection between this man's healing and this man's belief. That Jesus doesn't just step in and heal people um, um, regardless or in spite of how they might believe about themselves. Jesus is not that type of individual where he will heal you in spite of your doubt. But no, there has to be some manifestation of, of faith that corresponds and interacts with the word of God over your life. And when your faith can reach out and say, you know what, in spite of how I feel, I'm believing in what Jesus said, that, 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 that the mixture of your faith in God's word is what produces the deliverance and the freedom in your life. And that as long as your faith is able to, to mix with the word of God, you will experience the freedom that God has for you. At some point, this man had to believe the word of God. And I just look at myself in this text, and I look at you in this text, and I say 
that Jesus steps into your life with your thoughts and with your beliefs and with your emotions of fear and shame and guilt. He steps into your relationships that are broken. He steps into your finances that are just crazy. And he says, listen, I can make you well if you believe in me. It, it is all Jesus, all of it, every single part, 100% of it is about Jesus and about our ability to believe in spite of how we feel what Jesus has done for us. I, I, I love, I love it. And I just want to show you how powerful this is because in John chapter 10, Jesus says it another way. In John chapter 10, he gives this illustration of himself where he says, listen, I want to tell you that I am, the, I am the door and I am this good shepherd. And I want to read to you what he says in John chapter 10. He says, truly I say to you that he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep but climbs up some other way is a thief and a robber. He says, but he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. The sheep you and I hear the voice of our shepherd and we follow him, the text says. He calls his own sheep by name and, and he leads them out. And then it says in verse 4, when he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. That when Jesus steps into your life and he begins to speak his promises over your life, he begins to speak his power over your life. He begins to speak the purposes that he has for your life. When he begins to step into your life and tell you that you are loved with an everlasting love. I don't care what your daddy said to you. The father above says that you are loved with an everlasting love. That you belong to him. You are a child of the most high. You are an overcomer. You are victorious. That you are a conqueror in Christ Jesus. That you will never suffer lack or want. That your, your, your food and your bread will always be sure. When the word of God comes into you and he begins to speak over you, the word of God says that the children of God, the sheep of God, will hear his voice and will follow him. They recognize, ha, this is the shepherd. This is my father. This is my savior. I hear his voice and I will follow because they know his voice. But verse five of John 10 says, a stranger, they simply will not follow, but will flee. The, the sheep won't follow a stranger. They will flee from him because they do not know the voice of a stranger. Now, I know I might be taking a little bit longer today, but I said, I, I want you to get this word because I want you to understand fundamentally that there are two voices that are being spoken over your life. The voice of a shepherd and the voice of a stranger. And the shepherd comes in and says, you are healed and you are set free and you are no longer a slave and you are delivered and you are a conqueror and you are my child. I don't care what you think about yourself. I want you to believe what I think about you. I want you to have that positive mindset that when you look in the mirror and you see yourself, that you will say, I am more than a conqueror. I am, I am victorious in Christ Jesus. I know who I am. I am a child of the living God, a son to the throne, an heir to the throne, a daughter of the Most High. That's what the shepherd says to his children. But if you don't listen to the shepherd and you are refusing to believe his promise over your life, then what that tells us is that rather than listening to the shepherd, you are listening to a stranger who is saying to you that you are not enough 
and that you are not a conqueror, that you are not an overcomer, that you, are, that you, that you cannot accomplish the things that you have set your heart to do, that you are, you are a failure and you are a sinner and you are defeated and that you will amount to nothing. And too many of us, we listen to the, we listen to the voice of the enemy and God's voice to us is the voice of a stranger. And what I want you to get in your spirit that no, God's voice to us, the promises in God's word are, a, are the voice of our Savior. And even though you don't feel it, even though it doesn't make sense to you at times, even though you can't reconcile what he says and what you do, listen, we have to get to the point where we understand, no, this is what God says about me. And so I refuse to believe anything else. I will make sure that I am bringing every thought captive to what my Savior says about me. So when the enemy comes in, he tries to whisper those, those lies into my mind, telling me that I'm not good enough, telling me that I don't belong here, telling me that I'm not an overcomer. I bring those thoughts captive. I take them by the neck and I, and I, and I, and I put my knee on them and I say, this is not who I am. You are a stranger to me. You are foreign to me. I will listen to the voice of my Savior. And this is, this is, this is what, this is what our Savior says. And I want you to get this. Because many of us are of the mind and the orientation that we are, we, that we can't be free from how we think. That the way that we think is the way that we think and that, 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 that there's no deliverance from this thing. That we are slaves to these things. But I want to tell you, we are not slaves because of what Christ did for us. And now some of you all might be saying, well, pastor, I don't know about that. Uh, you're going to have to show me that in the word. I, I'm, I'm glad that you asked. Because in Romans, in chapter 6 and verse 6, the word of God says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves. We are no longer slaves. We're not. We're not slaves. We are free in Christ. It's not who we are. It's not, it's not, I'm not bound anymore. I am free in Christ. And because I am no longer a slave because of what Jesus has done for me, I now have a choice. I have a choice. I can choose what I want to think about. I can choose how I want to behave. I can choose how I want to feel because the Holy Spirit is renewing my mind. I now have a choice. Slaves have no choice in the matter. Slaves are controlled by their thoughts. They are compelled by their thoughts. Their thoughts are what dictates what they do and what they don't do. They are bound by their circumstances. Like that man who thought, what, how can I heal myself? I've, I've been this way 38 years. Nothing is going to change but Jesus dying on the cross for you. And Jesus dying on the cross for me. What he declares to us today is that because of my sacrifice on Calvary, you now have a choice. You don't have to be a slave to your thoughts. 
You don't have to be a slave to negativity. You don't have to be a slave to bad relationships. You don't have to be a slave to drama. It doesn't, drama doesn't have to follow you. <laughs> In fact, the word of God says that, that those people who are following the shepherd, the shepherd that leads them beside still waters and angering pastures, the shepherd that, that, that comforts them with, the, with his rod and his staff, the shepherd that is walking with them through the valley of the shadow of death, the shepherd that is preparing a table before them in the presence of their enemy, that when you walk with that shepherd, David promises us in Psalms 23 that goodness and mercy shall follow you. Not drama, not depression, not anxiety, not stress, not fear, not shame, not guilt, but because of what Christ has done for you, goodness and mercy are following you and you can choose. You can choose. I don't care who your daddy is. I don't care who your mommy is. I don't care what they pass down to you in the gene pool. <laughs> when Christ died, you were born again. And now you stand at the fork of the road and you can make a decision every single day that when you wake up, God, I choose Jesus. God, I choose life. God, I choose power. God, I choose purpose. God, I choose positivity. God, I choose your promise over the lies of the enemy. Someone's lying. Someone's lying. Either the devil's lying or God is lying. And it's your, your choice. You choose who's the liar. Either you look in the mirror and you see yourself, your reflection, and you say, God, you're a liar. I'm not good enough. God, you're a liar. I'm not an overcomer. God, you're a liar. I, I, I am not victorious. Or you look in the mirror and you say to yourself, the devil, you are a lie. I am more than a conqueror. The devil, you are a lie. I am victorious. The devil, you are a lie. There is power flowing through my blood and in my veins. You devil, you are a lie. I am a son and a daughter of the Most High. And I don't care what you say to me, devil. You are a liar and a stranger. And I will not hear your voice. You are no longer a slave. You are free to choose. And so in this moment, we're going to sing a song, and I want you to worship with us, bow your heads with us. I want you to pray a prayer to say, God, today I choose Christ. I want to invite you in this moment right now to choose Christ. No matter how you feel, no matter what's going on, I choose to believe your word in my life right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we just are so grateful for what you have done for us. God, we are so grateful for the sacrifice that you made on our behalf. God, we are so grateful that because of Calvary, we are no longer slaves. But we now are free to choose. The chains are broken. And we can live free. God, may we May we hear your promise, hear your voice, and may we follow you as our good shepherd. And when we look in the mirror, may our thoughts 
be that which affirm our belief in your word. In Jesus' name. Oh, let's sing together in worship. my family, my prayer for you is that you would embrace the truth of God over your life right now, that you are no longer a slave. I can't make you believe it. I can't make you embrace the promises of God. I can't make you claim the promises of God. I can't make you live according to the promises of God, but I just want to let you know this day right now that you have a choice in the matter. Because what Christ did on Calvary is he gave you a choice. And right now in this moment, you can choose the promise of God over the lie of the enemy. What I want you to do right now is I want you to identify the biggest lie the devil has been telling you. It's probably a lie that he started sowing in your life when you were a child probably three, four years old, something happened to you, someone said something to you, someone looked at you a strange way, and the devil planted, planted a seed in your spirit when you were young. And he watered that seed through negative experiences and through difficulty and through abandonment and through shame and guilt. He watered that seed 
And over time, that seed has grown into a full-blown tree that is now bearing fruit of stress and fruit of anxiety and fruit of discouragement and fruit of lies that are perpetuating. He is attempting to perpetuate the brokenness in your life through your mind. And what I want you to do is I want you to identify what was that lie? What is the lie you're living under? Is it that you're not good enough? Is it that you're not smart enough? Is it that you're not, you're not uh, accepted, that you're ugly, that you're too big, too tall, too skinny, too, 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 too fat, too thin? What, what is the lie that the devil has told you? And whatever that lie is, I want you to understand that there is a truth that overrides that lie. For every lie of the enemy, there is a truth, a liberating truth that God declares over you that is like a shovel. It is like a, 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 uh, a, a, a bull that comes and that tears up He backs this truck over the lie. He ties the chain of his truth around it. And like a bulldozer, he rips it out of the ground. And you don't have to be a slave to that lie any longer. So what is that lie? And may you embrace the truth that will set you free today. Father, we thank you that you have given us a choice and that our ability to live under the truth of God is based on us every day choosing Christ, choosing freedom, choosing deliverance. That the seed that he planted in our life years ago that is now so rooted the roots are spread out in every area of our life. You can bring the, the bulldozer, the, the tractor, and you can tear up the lie of the enemy, uproot it with your liberating truth. And so in this moment right now, God, may we accept the truth over our life and may we be free. Everyone who's watching right now, I just want you to raise your hand in the air and say with me, I am loved, I am free, I am a child of the Most High. I accept his promise over my life. I will no longer live according to the lie of the enemy. I am his child.